These yours, Jess? I didn't know if you put them for me to, you know, wear them while I preach today up here or something. But here you go, girl. I tell you, you know, being at the beach and getting away like that for a week, um, how many of y'all know it takes a few days just to get, to get everything and all the clutter and all the stuff that's running through your mind and all that stuff, doesn't it take a few days just to unwind? Anybody, am I the only one that experiences that? Or do y'all feel that way? And some of y'all are thinking, man, I just want to go and unwind right now. <laughs> You're ready to go, let me go unwind. Man, just give me some unwind time. Well, that's what, uh, you know, daddies want on Sunday afternoon. Some of y'all I've already heard are going to the lake. You might go fishing or you might go to the golf course. I told my, my wife, I said, just give me a glass of sweet tea, turn a fan on me, and let me lay back and watch the U.S. Open this afternoon, and I'm going to be just fine, all right, because I like golf. And some people don't like golf, you know. But anyway, whatever you enjoy doing. But the beach is the place that my wife loves. I'm a mountain man. I love to go to the mountains. I like where the water's cold and it's cool, and you see the trout, and you can fish, and you can just experience the cool mornings. I love the mountains. But my wife loves beach. And every man in this room knows that if you want to keep mama happy, you better do what, where, go where mama wants to go. Amen? Amen, men? Amen. All right, men, this is your day, all right? I'm giving you a chance to step it up to the plate today. Amen. That's what you want. And so that's why we go to the beach, because mama is happy at the beach. And so that's, we've had a week, and we've enjoyed it. And, you know, last Sunday was kind of cool. It was, um, I woke up. Last Sunday morning, it was my uh, birthday, and I'd gotten up, and then I went and laid back down, and the first thing that happened to me on my birthday was my little two-year-old grandson comes up, and he crawls into bed and gives me a big hug and a kiss. Now, isn't that a great way to start your vacation and a birthday, is to have a moment like that? And that two-year-old and that five-year-old were with us all week, and we, we hadn't had a week like that in a long time with just our immediate family and so it was so special I've got to learn what it's like to have a five-year-old and a two-year-old with you all week uh, once again and so we've learned those challenges and then you look over and see the other families that have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and they're having a fit on the beach too and you go hey we're just normal people like them over there you know, they're having a meltdown, little two-year-old and three-year-old's having a meltdown, and so we go, hey, we've seen that, been there and done that. But, you know, you experience those moments. But being a dad 29 years ago, Wes, you just entered that time, uh, bro, and it's a, it's a great time, but for me, it happened 29 years ago. And you may have had a dad that was a great dad. I had a dad that was always there. Daddy got up, went to work, Robbins Air Force Base, he up at 5 every day out the door. I didn't see him until 5 o'clock in the evenings. But Daddy, Monday through Friday, was gone to work, faithful, provider. Daddy was the kind of man that helped me in a lot of ways because he took me hunting, he took me fishing. And a lot of times where Daddy could have taken other, men's and got other men with him at the base and got promoted, he chose to rather take his boys. And so I have a brother who's 18 months younger than me. And so Daddy took us fishing. And... You know, and I can't tell you, we didn't catch fish every trip, but I remember the memories. And I've, I often remember Daddy, we, we'd catch some fish sometimes, and other times we wouldn't. We, you can only imagine me and two boys, myself and my brother and my dad, in a little 
14-foot flat-bottom boat with a five-horsepower Johnson going down the Oak Muggy River. But that's what we did on Saturday mornings. And we'd go down there and try to catch us some fish and bring them home. But I'll, I'll never forget those trips, and I'll never forget all those times in the field where he took me hunting and dove hunting. And I grew up getting to experience things that other people pay for, and I thought, pay to go dove hunting? Are you crazy? We just had all the connections, and it, that's just the way it was. But, you know, I, I had all of those things in a dad. But you may not have had that kind of experience in your life. You, you may have had a dad that disappointed you. You may have had a dad that was, wasn't there. I mean, he, he wasn't around or he checked out. You wanted him to be around, but he just wasn't there. But listen, a lot of times, and it amazes me, that of all the titles that God decides to give himself, that one of those titles that he gives himself is Father. Because I'm like, God, you took a big risk with us dads here on the earth to give us a title that's the same as yours. And you know, a lot of times, people's view of God is how they have kind of have viewed their earthly dad as well. And if that's been your case, you might have had a great example. But if you haven't had a great example, you might have had a terrible example of an earthly dad. I want you to know today, even if that's the case for you, that you have a heavenly father who cares very much about you, and he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And we're going to look at some of the things today, and I want to point out just a couple of things to you in the Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. And the first one is a, is a principle that the Lord showed me a few weeks ago in my quiet time. I was spending time there, and I came across this verse, and I'd read this verse many times, but this verse just came over me and this verse just took life inside of me and it is a verse that can that can really shape and change your life in a powerful way and the the thought is this this morning and it's this god's love for you is timeless now you might not feel that you're loved by anybody my dad didn't love me my dad wasn't even there or my dad did love me. But I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning that God's love for you is timeless. How do I know that? Came across this verse in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. And it says this. My love, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, that's what God is saying to Jeremiah. He's saying it to the nation of Israel. He's saying it to Jeremiah. But he's also saying it to you and to me this morning. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, I know my wife's loved me for about 30-something years. I know that. I've experienced that. I know my parents have loved me for 50-plus years. Okay, <laughs> I've, I've experienced that. But when you think of God saying to you and me, I have loved you with an everlasting love. His love for you is timeless. In other words, it has no beginning and it has no end. 
It, he has loved you before you even existed. Now, how do I know that? At the beginning of, chap, of Jeremiah, God says these words to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Wow. Now, listen, y'all, we're talking God here. We're talking God who has created everything. He knows everything, but he is that personal to say that about you. Hey, before, I even, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. And beyond that, he loved you. He loved you. And you know, how many times have we felt in this life that nobody cared or that nobody loves us? Or, man, I'm just getting a bad rap in life, and, man, life stinks. Life sucks. I don't, I'm ready to check out. Listen, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I love you. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. How do we know he loves us? He tells us in his word that he loves us. And he told Jeremiah, and Jeremiah goes, what? You mean before I was even formed, I even thought about, you knew me, and even though you knew I was going to do all of those things I've done in my life, you still knew me, and you still wanted me to exist, and you still created me, and you still love me. Wow. Isn't that amazing, church? That's the Father speaking to you, the ultimate heavenly Father speaking to every one of us in this room, this truth this morning. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, if that don't fire you up and get you up in the morning and make your day have meaning and life to it, nothing will. But that's God, y'all. This is the creator of the universe speaking this truth to you today. I've loved you with an everlasting love. And yes, we've messed up. We've blown it. Some of us may have blown it this past week. You've blown it with your family. You've blown it with your child. You've blown it with your loved ones. Or you blew it at work. It still doesn't stop the unconditional love of Almighty God toward you. I know Angie's dad uh, was not a believer for many years, but she said, her daddy just always showed love to her. And then he just did. He showed love. He was there. He passed, he passed 10 years ago in June. But he showed love to her, and she got to see that. But, you know, we, we try to, we love in conditional ways. If you love me, I'll love you back. If you do this for me, I'll do this back for you. But God doesn't love that way. God loves beyond that way to where he loves you and me even while yet we were even still sinners. Christ died for us. He loves the unlovely. He loves the ones that everybody else gives up on. And he loves, even if you think you're perfect, he still loves you. He knows you're not perfect, but he still loves you. How many of you think you're the favorite child? Or you go, oh, I don't think it. I know I'm the favorite child. You not only have one problem, you got a pride problem, all right, on that other end. Oh, I know I'm the favorite. You know, you, if you were to ask my four kids, Caleb would obviously say, Dad, I'm your first. I'm your first. I know I'm your favorite. 
And then Jessica would, Philip would go, well, Daddy, you, you tried with Caleb, but then you got it right with me. That would be Philip. Philip would go, yeah, he might be the firstborn, but I'm the smartest. And Jessica would go, Daddy, I'm your only girl. I know you love me. And I'm telling you, when I had those first two boys, you know, you, you walk around, you got your uh, cigars, you're passing out, and you, you, have, you feel a pride about you. You got your son, you got the name get, being carried on. But when Jessica was born, my heart just went out of my body and was laying on the table. <laughs> and I was like, I've never experienced this before. But that's what it was like. And that's why I was telling Wes, Wes said, Wes said, you know what, I didn't even cry at my wedding. And I said, I didn't either. But he said, but when I saw Joby over here, he, he cried when he saw her for the first time, his little girl. And you know what, isn't that amazing? And you've only loved her, well, you knew about her nine months ago and then five weeks. So you got nine, you got ten months, okay? You've loved her for that long. And you're going to pray for her and you're going to continue to pray. But let me tell you something, Wes. God has loved Joby before the earth was even founded. He has known about her, and he's loved her with an everlasting love. Wow. You do? You really love me that way? God's telling you that, Vicki. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, I don't know about you, but that moment that I was experiencing this in my time was a moment that I went, but God, I did this, and you know I did this, and you know what came back. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then I went, well, then, God, that means I haven't forgiven myself of this. And he said, yeah, now you're getting it, because I have loved you with an everlasting love. And if I have forgiven you, then what are you doing hanging on with it? Hmm. And so listen, that's some deep stuff, but that's some good stuff. And that's something on this Father's Day that he wants you to hear. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Okay? So that's the first thing. Here's the second one. God's thoughts toward you are countless. God's thoughts toward you are countless. Now, where do we get that one in the Bible? You can turn with me to Psalms 139, verse 17 and 18. Psalms 139. Here's what the Word of God says. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. Wow. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. I was like, Lord, okay. I've been at the beach. I've seen the sand. I see all of this coastline. And I see all of this sand. And then I know that it goes all the way around Florida and that it goes all, all over the eastern seaboard. And then I think of all the sand, of all the beaches, of all the continents, of all the world. And then I, I go, that's a lot of sand, <laughs> a grain of sand. That's a lot of, of sand all over these beaches. And then 
God is saying to you, my thoughts, I think about you more than the grains of the sand of the sea. Now, if you don't think anybody thinks a lot about you, let me tell you something. The almighty God of the universe has that many thoughts about you. And he loves you. Does that overwhelm you or what? I mean, those of you that love the beach. I mean, I, I love, you know, hearing uh, Kathleen over there. She, she was telling me, hey, when I die, they're going to put my ashes over there out of St. Augustine. I said, that girl loves the beach right there now. That's committed. That is committed. But just think of all the sands, of all the grains of sand, it, and you can't, you can't count them. I mean, there's beyond a number. And God is saying to us in this room this morning, my thoughts are you are more precious. My thoughts are you are so precious, I think about you all the time. Now, I guarantee you, Wes, you've only had five weeks to think about Joby. But I bet you think about her a lot. I've had 29 years to be a dad. I think about my kids a lot. And then I had grandkids. And my thought, life increases in a big way. <laughs> I think about them a lot. And after having them for eight days with me, I thought, I didn't have them with me today. And I missed them. But my thoughts are there. And I think of how God looks at each one of us as uh, his child. When we get into a relationship with him, his thoughts are so precious toward you, they can't even be numbered. They outnumber the sands of the sea. If you're ever feeling down, if you're ever feeling lonely, discouraged, or depressed, these are two verses I believe I'd go to. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and oh, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. Well, that's an awesome God, amen? That's a great heavenly father that he thinks and loves and thinks and cares about us that much in this room today. And then, that, that's pretty much, I'm not going to do a three-point sermon. I've got two main points, okay? It's just two. But, you know, every time I go to the beach, this verse just pops out. I mean, I had to read it. And it's Proverbs 8:29, talking of wisdom. When he set for the sea its boundaries so that the water would not transgress his command. And every morning I'd get up between 8, 39 and go out there. And I had the, the only job I had was pushing that buggy cart out there and putting the umbrella up and putting the chairs up and putting out all the chairs. That was my job. And so I did it, and I loved it. And I thank God for that little buggy, uh, buggy cart that goes across that sand, and, you know, and all of that. But once I did that, I would just sit there in the morning for the first 30 minutes by myself before everybody else came out. And every morning, that sunrise would be, the sun would be coming up. But then I would see the boundary to where God spoke this world into place and through his spoken word and his power. And God looks at the mighty waves of the sea that crash into the ocean and he says, right there, right there is your boundary, right there. 
And when I see it, and I think that wave, it, I, and the tide comes in and out, but the wave stops there. And I know, yeah, we have a hurricane, and we have those kind of things, and I know about tsunamis and all that. But God has set that boundary by his spoken word, and it's found in Proverbs 8, and the scripture just comes alive. And you can't help but think of God, and you know that he is real, and I see his power. God's power, and I think of him as a protecting God, and a powerful God, and a providing God. And that is what God has done for me. And that's how God has done so much. Before we left on our trip, um, we had, Luke and I and my brother had gone uh, fishing down at Lake Oconee. And we'd gone to Sugar Creek and put out a few uh, noodles we caught. We went and uh, we, he had some Catawba worms that you get off of a tree. And they would make great fish bait. So he had some of those Catawba worms and we caught brim. And, you know, the food chain, we took the brim and we put them out for the catfish. And uh, so we used them as bait. <laughs> I know you're thinking, that's cruel, that's mean, you shouldn't have done that. But we wanted the bigger fish. You know, you don't want to eat a little brim this big, all right? So that's what we did. But we caught those fish. And then uh, Angie, next thing to loving the beach, she loves fried fish, okay? So she wanted some of them catfish. And so... Here we go out there to cook the catfish. And this all happened before we go on our trip, just a couple of days before we leave. And she had some old French fries that had been in the freezer. And you know the kind that you, you take the fries and you use them, then you throw them back in there. And, and, the, and you know the freezer frost and all that had gotten all in the fries. And I took those fries and, and Caleb was out there with me. And the grease, the fries is the last thing you cook. You know, and the grease was good and hot, and I had the fries there, and I said, that'll be enough, Caleb. And he said, no, Dad, let's, let's put them all. There's only a few left. All right, put them in there. So I put, put it over, and I know you test it just a little bit, you know, and I did. But all of that moisture that was around those fries fell into that grease. And I don't have to tell you what I, happened next, but what happened was off this gas cooker, there was a flame of fire that came up this high, just a ball of fire that big over that grease. And of course, I'm right on the edge of the sidewalk and I'm holding this left-handed and here's Caleb. And I'm, I grabbed this thing and I put it in lightly and I'm bringing it back out. And while I'm bringing it back out, poof! And so here I come out of it and I come off fall next to the house in my camping chair, hit the house, break the paneling on the house. Caleb's standing right there. And only two fries hit the ground. <laughs> two fries. But you know, I had shorts and flip-flops on. Not one drop of oil got on Caleb or on me. And you know, I told Angie, I talked about it later, and Luke, Luke nailed me on it. I said, listen, I, I played sports. I'm an athlete. I've got athletic ability, but I'm not that good. I'm not that good. And I know I'm not that good to be able to do what happened in that moment. The worst thing I thought would have been if that grease had got all over us. And Canaan came over last night, and he told me he remembered when grease poured over his hand and it took him weeks for that to heal 
Because when that grease gets on you, it doesn't stop burning. It keeps burning, and it keeps burning. And I thought, well, what if that pan, I had slung it out and thrown it over my son? That would have been worse than if it had gotten on me. And then, for Caleb was laughing, he just thought it was funny. That's Caleb. He was just laughing his head off. <laughs> then he said, are you okay, Dad? I'm like, yeah. You know, holding this pan. I was clutching that thing, man. But I was sitting there, and we were eating at the supper table, and, and they didn't know it, but I was, I almost began to weep because I knew what had, God hit me. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I'd had that verse, and he said, I have just protected you in a way beyond explanation. I wouldn't have been on vacation last week, y'all. I'd have probably been at Augusta at the burn center for surgeries and everything else. I know things happen, and it could have happened, but I don't know why God protected me other than he chose to protect me in that moment. Have you ever had those moments like that when God does that for you? Or are you going through a moment where he didn't protect you? And you feel so vulnerable. Just remember the words, I have loved you with an everlasting love. If you have had a chance to thank your dad today or call him, I hope you do uh, take that moment. I know we, we stopped by Unadella on the way back and mama had cooked. They'd gone, the daddy had gone to get some field corn out the field and... Uh, Mama had some butter beans left over, and we had cornbread, fresh homemade cornbread and butter beans. And Oh, y'all shaking your head. I'm making you hungry right now, aren't I? But, oh, and then she brought out that coconut cake, homemade coconut cake. And I'm telling you, I was, I was lapping it all up, and I'm just thankful. But then I said, my brother was there. I said, we want to get a picture with you, Daddy, and Daddy's 81. And so we pulled him outside, and we took our pictures, and then... Uh, Daddy is a cut up and Daddy, he turned his cap on backwards and he flipped it around and Luke, like Luke over there, you know, Luke was wearing his cap backwards and so he saw Luke doing it. So we said, Luke, go over there and have your picture made with Peapop. And so they, the coolest, funniest shots you've ever seen is the two of them with their hats on backwards, uh, a 19-year-old kid and his 81-year-old Peapop. But it, that's a memory I'll never forget. And I know Jessica was like, this is the funniest and the cutest thing I've ever seen, is what she was saying. But you know, even on top of that, the thank yous and being there for you. At the end of our week, we, it was Saturday morning, yesterday morning, and Caleb and Anna got up early to leave. And they had Caden and Judah up. They were, they were in their car packed at 7 o'clock, ready to go to Myrtle Beach. And Caleb brought Judah around and to say thank you to us. And I don't know what it is with Judah, but that boy must have been in and out of so much trouble in his short little two-year-old life, almost three, that when it came time to say thank you for Granny, uh, for, for Pappy and Gigi, you know, having you at the beach with, with you for the week, you know what he said? Sorry. Instead of thank you, he said sorry because he thought he was in trouble again. 
And so his little voice, sorry, just made us laugh. And everybody busted out laughing. You don't laugh at Judah because he gets his feelings hurt. And then he went to crying because he thought everybody was laughing at him and not with what he had said. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. And God, if I know how to love this way, God has said to all of us, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And I want you as my family. I'm going to ask you this this morning. Are you a part of his family? Is he your earthly, is he your heavenly father? If he's not, you're missing out on the greatest relationship there's ever been. Beyond any. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Let's pray. God, thank you.